Thanks for listening to a podcast from WSUM. Sid's Music Desk is a monthly music podcast at WSUM Madison Student Radio. I'm the music director here. My name is Imani. One Thursday night in late December, I found myself in a bit of a scuffle with Perfume Genius on Twitter. It was over Nick Jonas's hit song, Jealous. One thing led to another, and we became best friends over Zoom. In this episode, I chat with Perfume Genius about how Alicia Keys might have subconsciously inspired his music, the importance of dance in his creative expression, and how Diet Coke relapses are okay. I think it's very funny that we're here because of Nick Jonas. Well, kind of bad. I felt kind of bad. I was just feeling kind of grumpy. I don't know. You know, I was just posting while I was a little grumpy. And that those lyrics have always really bothered me. I just think they're really they're really bad. I guess I'm doubling down on what I said, but I just think that they're I don't know why it's so irritating. I guess because I have songs where I made rhymes that I'm not super happy with. And so they always like make me flinch when I hear them. And I don't know. It feels like that to me. I also know that you love Feyruz. Do you want to talk about Feyruz for a bit? Which particular aspects of her have inspired you? I mean, I essentially really only listen to all of her, like, Christian recordings that are, like, hymns and, like, sacred music, I guess. Because it was this movie called Before Night Falls. There's this scene. I mean, may, this could be wrong, but this is in my head. There's a deflating hot air balloon and one of her songs is playing and this hot air balloon is um deflating in slow motion and something about all i mean like every dimension of that i started crying in, in the theater because i don't think it was really a sad scene it was just some like somatic sense thing and i also i had never heard a voice like her before her voice is so, like one of the most beautiful voices i've ever heard you know what i mean yeah so um, I essentially have been listening to that, I don't know, like 10 or 12 specific recordings of hers since I saw that movie, which was like at least 20 years ago, maybe more than that. Yeah. Do you have other musical artists that you've maybe discovered through film or TV or that yeah, stuck with there, you? Mm-hmm, there's this um, Australian movie. I think it's like a post-apocalyptic What's funny is that, like, the things I remember most are the songs. But I think Robert Pattinson's in it, and it's like a... I don't know if it's zombies. I don't think it's zombies. I think it's just post-apocalyptic Australian movie. But there's a part in a bar where they played this Cambodian, like, psychedelic Cambodian song by Penran. I'll send it to you after. But I just became obsessed with that song, and through that I started listening to more Cambodian like psychedelic music before Mir Rouge, like genocide and learned. I mean, I didn't even really know about that and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. That's still, that's a more recent one too, obsession of mine. But I'll send it to you and I'll send the, they made a documentary that's really good and the soundtrack is really good too. Nice. And that includes Pat Rand in it, yeah. And I know your TikToks are like a work of art to me. How did you get started on that? Is there like a thought process to making the TikToks or is it mostly just like vibes? I think I started TikTok during like COVID, like the height of COVID, which is dark, a dark-sided 
time for me. I mean, for everybody, really. Yeah. But probably some people were a, a little bit better at regulating themselves. But I'm not very good at it. And I think some of the stuff I do to regulate myself, I couldn't do anymore. Um, or I just, I don't know. I wasn't feeling super creative, but for some reason, um, making these like dark-sided TikToks was sort of therapeutic to me. And they're also like deranged and funny. You know what I mean? It's a way to get out. I mean, I think of all of everything I do as just a way to get stuff out. But I do like it when things are funny on top of everything else. But I also like it when things are... Um, I honestly have no idea. I'm just doing, <laughs> I'm just doing it. And sometimes I will make a TikTok and I will laugh, but it's almost too close. I'm like, oh, I'm like exercising some demon that I should not, <laughs> should not be sharing with everybody. You know what I mean? They're too <laughs> fucked up, you know? So I haven't posted a couple of those. Oh my God. <laughs> I would like love to see those. There's like no way anything you make could be too deranged for me. I feel like the world needs that, you know? Well, yeah, they might, they might but like I have this very serious music career, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just feel like every time I post something, I don't know. I I feel like it can all exist in the same universe and it's okay. But I just get scared every single time I post something. And Twitter now, I have so many followers on Twitter that it's gone like, I can't post regular. <laughs> I can post anything on Twitter and it will get like a bunch of likes. So if I'm like sad or something, I post something really stupid. That's not even, and then it, you know what I mean? Yeah. I used to, I don't know how to explain it. So TikTok, I feel like nobody's watching them. And so I can be more like how Twitter used to be for me. Now Twitter, and plus Twitter's just kind of dark. It's like sad now. People, it's not as fun anymore. Yeah. And you post people. There's a lot more of the like little twinks that tease me all the time on Twitter. They're so mean. Speaking of your Twitter, there's this one bit that you had on there that's my personal favorite, but I need clarification on it. And... There was this time where you would post lyrics to Girl on Fire by Alicia Keys. <laughs> I think it was like very sporadic, weeks apart, months apart, but it was like consistent. Um, is it that you love that song or is there like some underlying message there? Um, no. <laughs> I don't know. Alicia Keys just exists in some like place in pop culture that is really funny to me, I think. And so I used to have this thing at, where I would like point to a house and say that Alicia Keys lives there. Like if I was driving with my friends and nobody, I thought it was really funny because nobody would question me or really even be like, oh, cool, anything. It just would kind of always just be, oh, that's it. <laughs> and I, I thought that was really funny. And also um, there's something about that song that's really funny to me. Like the song is just like this girl is on fire. <laughs> She's on fire. <laughs> She's literally on fire. <laughs> literally on fire. Um, and that's funny. I also like just can, can, like putting her in the lore of my like Twitter, having that be part of it. I also love that people, you know, like you think it's funny, but I also know there's like, you know, a lot of people that just think I genuinely love that song and I'm posting the lyrics to it and that's really funny to me too. <laughs> well, 
Well, like I was with, unsure, but I guess now I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's why having so many followers on there is kind of not, it's like now I can, if I post something, I will laugh so hard thinking that all these people think I'm, they don't know if I'm being real or not. And that's really funny to me, but that's sort of selfish. It's not even like... <laughs> Yeah, I think it's your right. Would you say that Girl on Fire, did that influence set my heart on fire immediately at all? <laughs> Maybe accidentally or like, yeah. You know what? It probably did without intending to like... <laughs> Maybe I actually really love that song too, and I didn't know. Like I think I'm being like a little jokester or something, but I just truly love it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you know, continuing down the rabbit hole of your social media presence, uh, I also know that you love monkeys. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about where that started? What your favorite monkey is? What's like the obsession there? the most insane questions only from me (laughs) well it's hard i think they just i love chihuahuas too Mm. i think identify with them there well there's this one video that i would post all the time of this monkey sawing oh yeah but it clearly (laughs) just to saw you know what i mean and i i mean i think that that is really cute and kind of funny and um, but it also makes me like deeply sad that video because monkey's just sawing. I even wrote a song about it, honestly. Um, just sawing. And sometimes I feel like I'm doing that. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm making stuff like for, for what? Like, I'm just like in some basement room with the lights off, making all this weird shit for like what I don't know but it's all I can know how to do really (laughs) I don't really know how to do anything else and I mean I've monetized it and I've been really happy with my life but sometimes I don't know also I think I feel separate I think I feel separate from everybody else and I think I watch like I'm being very serious now but I see like chihuahua videos and monkey videos they're very like they have a lot of personality but they also are not matching the situation and they're very like um i like that i love how chihuahuas are very like mad and think they're really big and they're not and they're they seem kind of inconsequential because they're so little but they're also you know very strong and um have a lot of a lot to say um and same with monkeys you know like this i say that the monkey's not sawing for any reason but there's a reason to the monkey i mean there's there's I don't know. I wrote a song about her sawing. There's some power there. I think that's part of, of what I like about it is that it's like cute and funny and um, nonsensical, but I also think there's some kind of spiritual value in it too, in this kind of um, when things like absurdity. Yeah. Mm. So do you see your music kind of, which is like a crazy metaphor to make, but being the same way, like this like nonsensical way of like processing life and emotions and just like making something out of it whether people understand it or not sometimes i mean sometimes but also sometimes it's i use it as a way to not be that to be very direct and very like um patient and measured and really like hyper specific in ways that i don't really feel like normally you know sometimes that sometimes it'll leak into the music 
but sometimes I use it almost as a counter to that in a way because I kind of more feel like that in my daily life. And then the music sometimes is a way for me to to step into something else. You started like a sub stack. I think it might have been during COVID, but it also might have been like after. I can't. I think it was during COVID because there's a lot of Zooms about it. And I don't think I did any Zooms before COVID. <laughs> was that also like another medium for you to channel um, in expressing yourself? Is that something you you plan on continuing to do? Or is it more of like a thing in the past? Um. No, I, I keep trying to, I started a series on it of like short stories and I was trying to do this final one, but I haven't been able to like do it. The last one I, I wrote, well, I wrote this like fan fiction, I guess, about the guys from Supernatural, but um, <laughs> there's one guy left, there's one guy left oh. and I keep trying to think of concepts I don't know. The last one, the Jared Padalecki one, took me so long. And I wrote it one day. It was like 12 hours straight writing. Oh, my it. God. And um, I just been waiting for that fever to come back. Because I, I was really delighted when I was writing those because they were so funny to me. And they were also so, like, gross and uh, nasty and, you know... I love when I can find like some portal to including like everything in there. I think that's why what I mean is like Twitter used to feel like that a little bit to me and it feels less so like that. It feels more like one dimensional than it, than it used to. Yeah. You know, maybe it's the way I'm engaging with it, but it just seems like that. I used to go there for, to know what was going on, to see what my friends were talking about. And, and then, but also it was funny and there's a lot of weird weird uh, weirdos and stuff and it might just be because everything's really um really bad right now. yeah <laughs> twitter <laughs> you know yeah um would you say part of the twitter fear is getting canceled or whatever i don't know if that's ever happened to you in the past before yeah for sure and i think also just you know when you get too self-conscious in any capacity it's not as fun to engage with that thing where you're feeling a little more self-conscious and um, also, I just don't want to, I feel like I'm like more wanting to post like, like live journaly, like earnest stuff on Twitter. And um, maybe I should just be like talking to like my mom or something. And stuff <laughs> on there. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like I... I don't knowingly do anything that could get me canceled, but sometimes I worry I accidentally will, or some something that I have unpacked will surface, you know what I mean? Because that definitely happens still. And if you're doing it that in public, it's really embarrassing. But um, I don't know, I'm not really scared of getting canceled. If I get canceled, I probably, because I was supposed to get canceled, you know what I mean? <laughs> it would be the Nick Jonas army coming for you. Oh, that kind of cancellation is scary. Yeah. Well, because people are always asking me, you know, I'll post anything and ask me what I think of the Taylor Swift album. And I, it's not hard not to share my opinion about it, but I know sometimes I want to anyway, but I know it'll come for me. Going back to the supernatural thing, though, was that also like a sort of Alicia Keys thing where you knew that like nobody was really going to understand it, but you kind of just went for it? Kind of, and it's the same thing where I knew a lot of people would think this is like really 
um, earnest, and that was really funny to me. <laughs> In a way, it, it somewhat is. I mean, I've seen every episode of that show. I truly hated it for a long time, but it was like, I was stuck. There's like 14 seasons of that show. And every season has like 20 something episodes. It's a lot of my life I spent watching it. And I kind of liked it at first. And then I really hated it. And then somehow after hating it for so long, it turned to me liking it or just maybe I'd spent so much time with that. Then when it was on, it was really comforting to me, like a comfort show because I, it was so, um, kind of the same all the time. They're always the same. They wear the same like straight leg jeans <laughs> and they have the same like fake low voices and they're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> There's something that ended up being kind of comforting about it. And also they're very, that show is very straight. Very, very straight. Yeah. But something gay about how straight it is or, or maybe because it's so straight, you it can be like a, a vessel for all kinds of weirdness you can project onto it because I don't know, because it is so like one dimensional and so like not, um, I guess they do cry a lot, but that that's not gay in itself. Yeah. <laughs> I, it. I just like it when that happens, which makes me think it's gay. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's interesting. Well, I think it's gay the same way that like military movies are gay that aren't, it's just because you rarely ever see men interacting with each other in a kind way. So it always just seems like, wow, that's weird. These men are being nice and they're being nice to each other, but they're just brothers yeah. or like they're going to war together. So it just feels gay to us because like we never, you never see that. I mean, you see it more now um, because that was like the main, um, maybe no, it wasn't the main ship of that is not the brothers together, is it? I think it's um, Dean and the Angel. Something that, like that. They, I love all that stuff. <laughs> uh, like fan fiction and stuff. I like the really serious like ones. And then I also like the really bizarre, bizarre ones. Like the one one from The Voice, like The Voice Judges. Um, Adam oh. Levine. Um, who's the country guy? Oh, Blake Shelton. Like Shelton. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a true widespread like fandom is shipping them together with I I love that. Yeah. I kinda hate it actually too, but I love it. <laughs> to talk a little bit more about your music, I know you started with songwriting and piano mostly, but now you've expanded into so much more. Did you ever see yourself reaching this point or did you ever like dream of this or was it more of like you picked up things along the way and this is what it turned out to be um i mean definitely when i started i had no i didn't, didn't envision any of this happening i didn't um you know the first songs i ever made i didn't think anyone would listen to them beyond like my friends and people that i was personally sharing them with and then as it grew, even then, I mean, it's just over the years, I've, I've kind of had to learn how to do a lot of it as I go. Because before all my first songs that like became my first record, I had never made any before and I never played a show. I never sang in front of people. So 
Um, but I definitely, as I go, went along, got more ambitious and, and, um, had, you know, was envisioning certain things and, and pushing myself to try to like go farther. And a lot of it is through like how I, I wrote all my first songs by recording them. And that's kind of what enabled me to write in the first place is putting reverb on my voice and hearing my my voice and the piano like in context made me feel really confident that oh I can shape this into something and then just getting better at recording and just introducing new instruments and getting better at like making my demos that enabled a lot more expansion too because I was able to manipulate my voice to sound like another instrument and then sometimes I would keep that in the recording and sometimes I would use that as a placeholder for when we actually use that instrument you know mm -hmm. and now like my band is so good that I even I've never really recorded or written with like a band I've never really written besides Alan with other people from John um essentially because I was nervous to or you know my path to making music was unconventional I never went to school so I couldn't really envision that, like just being in a room with somebody and just starting to make a song. Cause I always have done it in like an isolation in a very specific way that's specific to me. Mm -hmm. But the band and me and Alan have been writing more together from the start, you know, um, I don't remember what the question was now. Oh, I think it was just, did you see yourself reaching like this point musically? Was it your goal to create music the way you do now? Or was that like something that just kept building and building and you learned it along the way? I more learned it along the way. But then, you know, when that would happen, then I would maybe get a little bit more ambitious for next time. And then a lot of it is just continuously putting myself out there and, and doing things that make me uncomfortable and that are new and I'm not sure if I can do even and that's what ends up being the work that I like the most you know yeah but even though I'm new it's all it's informed by all this things that I've learned along the way you know mm -hmm. and you know what's funny is I know one of your songs was covered by The National but mm -hmm. when I first heard that song by The National, I didn't know that it was like a cover of your song. And it was my favorite song by The National for so long until like I recently learned that that was just your song. Uh, do you remember when The National covered Learning? Yeah. Was that big for you? Well, I mean, even in really technical ways, it was like very surprising because his voice is so low and so different than mine and to hear like a real like a deep man voice singing that song was like really surprising to me and it's also just it was really validating because they're you know those that song was the first song I ever wrote and I didn't even know I could write songs I didn't know I could sing I mean I so to have that song be covered by people that I consider to be like very professional and like technically capable musicians it's really cool and you do a good number of covers i know most recently it was four minute warning when you do covers do you think a lot about like okay which song do i want to cover or is it just like this is the song that i like right now i want to do my version of it or is it more intended with purpose what's the vision there for when you choose what you want to cover um 
I'm not super sacred about it, but there's times when I'm singing, when I'm like singing other people's songs where I can tell I'm just singing them. You know, I'm not really covering it. I'm just singing them because I love that song and it, it feels good to play and sing. And there's times when I'm playing them and I can tell that, oh, I'm adding, in my opinion, <laughs> something specific to this that, you know, would in my brain makes it like more shareable or more worthwhile to share, you know? And it really, usually, I'm only playing like two or three chords and singing. It's not like it's because it involves a bunch of um, extra stuff or even a lot of stuff. It's just maybe some energetic way with, I don't know, coming from some place that I feel like is maybe a little bit um, left or right from where the original song was, you know? And a lot of times I think of it as a way to like um, give myself access to certain songs, you know, that maybe weren't written um, for me. And that like, I've made that story up most of the time when I'm, what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I do like that, especially like really dude, dudely dude songs, like me singing them. Sometimes that feels like me forcing my way into them. Yeah, is that kind of like the vision you had doing the four minute warning cover or? Kind of, but I think the four minute warning cover is just, I really love radio. <laughs> and um, that song, I remember, I just was singing it so much in the beginning of COVID. And it's, you know, kind of an apocalyptic song. I mean, it just is an apocalyptic song, not even kind of. Um, and it just felt really satisfying to sing it. And, you know bleak but in a like a heartachey way and kind of like a plaintive like way yeah and besides singing and songwriting and all that i know dance has also been big for you um and even like this last record ugly season that was you know based off of a dance piece and all that um were you trained professionally to dance or is that just something that you like love to do in a way to express yourself I've never been trained professionally except for doing this dance piece with Kate Wallach and her dance company and doing all of our rehearsals. And besides that, I mean, that was still very informal because we're not trained dancers. Well, I'm not, Alan isn't, but it's f the most formal that I've ever been in a dance way. But before, I mean, I think the reason Kate reached out to me to for this idea of making like a like a performance together is because I danced on stage. You know, that was all just me improvising movement to try to communicate songs more, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, there's no planned moves or anything like that. I mean, over the course of a tour, I would have certain like back bends and like squats and stuff that I like doing in certain songs. I think it just, it's kind of like a somatic thing. It's like a catharsis, you know? It's the same way, the reason why I do everything, I think, is because I'm just trying to, like, get something out that's, like, trapped inside. Yeah. Or or you find some way to, like, puzzle things out that are, like, confusing feelings or feelings that are, like, kind of repressed that I can't, I can't really access, you know? Because I kind of have trouble accessing my feelings specifically sometimes like in I don't know I just know that I feel 
off and I don't know why a lot, you know? And so I'm always trying to figure it out or I'll feel sad sometimes and I don't know like why. I mean, maybe there is no reason for it. Um, but that's how I get relief, you know? And the physical stuff became like really informative to me because I would just be rolling around on the ground and like crying and stuff. And I don't know what I did. I didn't know why, but it was, it just felt just like making a song or like, it felt just like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it became an important part of, of, I don't know, whatever I'm planning next. I don't know if it'll be dance, but it'll be included somehow, even if it's, you know, as part of like my toolkit, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you don't have anything in the works for like this upcoming year, any like music to be released, nothing? No, I mean, I just have to make it. <laughs> yeah. Write another album and then when it's done, then then it'll be there. But I haven't started really yet. And are you planning on laying low from touring too? I think so. I mean, maybe we'll tour, do some festivals or something in the summer if we get enough offers. But um, it's been nice being home. Yeah. The tour is much different than it used to be. So, I mean, it was really fun. It's the most fun I've ever had on tour, but it's harder to like make money than it used to be. Mm. They used to be how fun, period. And it's it's not really how I make money anymore. Oh. But I still like to. Yeah. And you toured with Hand Habits and a few other people. And from what I can pick up on, I feel like that's been like super important to your past year. How has that been? And is that something that's going to continue happening? Or was it just like of the moment? I hope so. I mean, they have their own career. And I hope that it'll keep aligning that we can keep working together and playing in the band together. And I think it's important to both of us because we really love to play together. But, um, you know, their career we just have hopefully find some way to align. But regardless, I think we'll still make things together if we can't tour. We'll still like play together and, and sing together. And, um, you know, if I make a record, I'm sure they'll be involved in some way. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I hope so. I mean, we, it really was like culty family vibes the last tour, which is the only vibe I'm interested in at all in general <laughs> like i've the dance the dance was very much that too like the rehearsals and um you know like i made a whole video for describe those like my like fantasy of us all like in some alternate post-apocalyptic like farm cult universe with each other you know yeah but i just i think i just love that yeah sense of community that I have with the band you know yeah well I know you have just said that nothing is in and nothing is out but is there anything at all that's in or out for this year in what is in for this year hmm. well I relapsed on Diet Coke I quit Diet Coke for I don't know maybe about a month I was drinking a bunch of green tea so Diet Coke is gonna be out but I it's in again it's in again, okay. And but all other kinds of recovery are in. So Diet Coke relapse is okay. Other relapses, not okay. Yeah. So um what else is in? Maybe nothing is in, nothing's out because I don't know what's going on. I have no like 
grip. <laughs> I can't predict anything either. And then also the idea of predicting felt like not cool to me. It's like, I don't even feel like, like I'm, I'm in a non-predicting zone. Yeah. yeah. So maybe what's in is not knowing and what's out is knowing. Hyper present and just like unfolding is in. Yeah, mm -hmm. there you go. What have been your favorite TikTok trends over the past year that you've either participated in or just stumbled upon? Okay. Okay. Let me think. I mean, there's some, there's the big boy one where they just, it's like scissors, like big boy song. It is just a nasty one that I like. Like, I just enjoy <laughs> watching those big boy TikToks. Yeah. But what? <laughs> what about non-nasty ones? Hmm. My algorithm is so messed up. It's so nasty. It's just like nasty algorithm. It's gotten better though. That's the only only one I can think of as a sexual trend. <laughs> Have you gotten a lot of like rug cleaning TikToks at all? I've seen a lot of those, yeah. Fan or also no? the helicopter helicopter song i don't even know if that's a trend but i used to love whenever i would hear that song i'm so demented oh my you know God. what i'm talking about i think so but i think it's so old that like i need to like refresh <laughs> my mind onto it that's the only trend i can remember and that's not even a trend that's just the helicopter song i think what is really bizarre about tiktok is that people there's trends in just like um reactions like the way people carry themselves and hold their hands even like and like the way that they the um they voiceover like the cadence and the way that they're talking during voiceovers there's like a trend to that too which is so bizarre to see you know yeah thank you so much for taking time to do this this was awesome well where are you guys madison yeah wisconsin Hopefully we'll come down there. Probably not until I make a new record, but... Oh, bye. bye. Thanks for listening. This is Amani on Sid's Music Desk at WSUM Madison Student Radio.